This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Now, the events of the weekend in Russia have caused uh, international concern and certainly drew international attention. It appears that Yevgeny Prigozhin, the leader and founder of the Wagner Group, which is really basically a group of mercenaries, uh, but also former prisoners who were let out of prison on the condition that they would fight for Russia in Ukraine, they marched on Moscow. They took over the city of Rostov-on-Don, which is a city of over a million people, and they began to proceed towards Moscow, led by Prigozhin. They got within 200 kilometers. They brought down a number of helicopters and planes uh, that were from the Russian military, and then they stopped, turned back, and some kind of peace agreement was reached, or so we're told. The latest news on that is that Russia has dropped the uprising charges, which Vladimir Putin had described as treason, and now the Russians say that the Wagner Group will hand over its weapons. All of this is highly dubious, and we're in the realms of speculation. But many people in the West, there is a consensus forming that this could be the beginning of the end for Putin because he has been shown to be weak. And, of course, also we have at the moment the Consultative Forum on International Security Policy, which the Tornister Michal Martin has constructed and is leading, and its last day is today. To discuss Ireland's policy of uh, neutrality and where we should position ourselves in international affairs in this dramatically changing geopolitical situation. It's a pleasure to welcome to the stand now one of our most valued contributors, Tom Clonan. Senator Tom Clonan, he is an Irish senator. He's a security analyst, an author, a whistleblower, uh, author of a, a research document that exposed abuse in the Irish Army. He's a retired Irish Army captain. He saw service with the UN in the Lebanon uh, at a very a time of a horrendous massacre. He's seen this stuff close up. 
He was elected to Shannon Aaron in March 2022 at the, on the Trinity Dublin University constituency. Tom, you're welcome to the program. Before we go and discuss uh, Russia, I know that you attended the consultative forum yesterday, which is an interesting um, and valuable, in my view, endeavor to adjust our position or reflect on it in the light of uh, dramatic international developments with China and Taiwan, with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, you observed it, Tom. Um, can I ask you what impression it made on you? Uh, I note that you weren't asked to contribute to this discussion. Thanks, Simon. Yes, um, I attended the uh, consultative forum on defence and security and neutrality, essentially, in, in Dublin Castle yesterday. And, um, I mean, look, I'm I'm an anorak when it comes to defence and security and all these issues, so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but um, it, it wasn't consultative in that, you know, it was very difficult to get an opportunity to to respond to the panels or to interact with them. Now, the the, the, the respective chairs of each panel did their best um, to try and get some audience participation, and they had an electronic thing called uh, Slido where people could uh, put questions which were displayed and people could kind of vote on them. Um, so there was an attempt definitely by the chairs and the speakers to engage with the audience. But I suppose my my reservation about it was that the 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 speakers that were chosen it was by invitation only over 80 speakers from all over europe and um all great speakers and all very welcome in dublin and in ireland and and all of them uh, experts but normally for things like this if it's going to be consultative you know like an academic conference there is a thing called a, a call for papers where you can give an expression of interest where you can pitch or send in an abstract of your your expertise and, and you can kind of compete to get on a panel. Yes. Um, and they decide on merit whether or not you get to speak. There was none of that for the Taoiseach's, or sorry, for the Taunishtis consultative forum. It was by invitation only. And it, this isn't a criticism. This is just an observation. You know, looking at the panels of those 80 uh, speakers, you know, the vast majority of them um, are academics. The, uh, one quarter of them are academics. And of those, some of them are very, very outspoken proponents of Ireland's membership of NATO. Yes. And some of those very outspoken, high-profile academics got multiple opportunities to speak. So they were on several panels and debates, and they got right. to moderate. And uh, The next biggest group were members of security organizations and institutions across uh, the European Union and NATO. And obviously, you know, like all military people, they, 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 they would have a particular view. But look, I, I found it a, an interesting exchange of views. Um, I was particularly interested yesterday in the comments by um, NATO, where they said that there are no plans within NATO to um, for Ireland's membership. And I thought that was a kind of a, an interesting turn of phrase, because as a journalist, uh, as Irish Times security analyst in in a previous life, um, I've been out to NATO headquarters in Brussels several times and also to the supreme uh, headquarters of the Allied uh, forces in Europe, SHAFE. And on all of those visits, NATO will tell you on the record and off the record that they want Ireland yes. to join NATO. They, yes. they want to expand their membership. So whilst their representative yesterday might say they don't have any specific plans, 
they do want us to join. And I had a very memorable conversation with um, Ambassador, as she was then, Victoria Newland. Um, she's now an Under Secretary of State in the U.S. Administration. Uh, very hawkish, uh, very very able, capable uh, individual. Uh, some some people regard her as quite quite controversial, but she we had a very frank on the record conversation about Ireland's membership of, of of NATO, and she said Ireland needs to join NATO. And the phrase she used was, "There's no representation without taxation." In yes. other words, she said, "If you want to enjoy the protection of NATO's umbrella." You need to join NATO and do some of the heavy lifting, make a contribution. And I know also that NATO really, their principal interest in Ireland would be the use of our ports and airports because we control the Western approaches to Europe. Yes, indeed. We're geographically in a very important position, aren't we? Yeah, and there's this kind of myth, you know, Irish people say, you know, we're very lucky because of our geographical location that we, Ireland is of huge strategic importance. Yes. Uh, and also, you know, with the, with our digital um, economy and all of the data centers, you know, that, that has been now amplified because of our involvement in data. And, you know, we're going to have wind farms, we're going to be the Saudi Arabia of wind energy. So yes, we need to be able to protect and defend that. Now, I don't advocate membership of NATO. I, I believe, and we, we, we'll have to agree to disagree on this, but I, I believe in neutrality as, as a sort of a, a unique selling point for Ireland. It suits us at the moment. Having said that, Eamon, if the Russian if the Russians turn up in Ring's End, I change my mind. Well, well, the the question really I put to you, and I had a very interesting and at times spirited conversation with Professor Dermot Ferreter, uh, Professor of Modern Irish History, last week. Can we agree that the world has changed dramatically in recent times, not just because of the invasion? of Ukraine by Vladimir Putin, but also the increasingly threatening stance China is taking in relation to Taiwan. Also, a swift and rather comprehensive turn to the right across Europe, from Poland to Hungary to Finland to Sweden, and on and on we go. And what are we neutral uh, in relation to NATO, for example? Had NATO, Tom, not been galvanized by Joe Biden and the Biden administration, who would have defended Ukraine? That's a very good point. Um, the answer to that is nobody. Um, the, so what would have know, happened then, Tom? Well, we'd have the Russian military on the border with Poland. And I think that they and would Moldova. then... Well, I think, they, those, small, I think they would have gone into Moldova uh, because they already have uh, troops yes. in Transnistria. I mean, I, I believe that NATO is a legitimate and necessary military alliance. And like all political projects and military projects, they have made mistakes. Um, they, they've had some setbacks. They've made some mistakes. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But for the, the defense of Europe, NATO as a concept has I suppose, in, in some ways, like the European Union being in part a peace uh, process because of its value as a deterrent. I mean, Ukraine, as you quite rightly point out, was a neutral state, not a member of any military alliance. And in, in Putin's eyes, that made them uh, vulnerable. But there's also the, you know, broader narrative around Novorossiya and bringing Russia back to the borders of its original empire status. But 
In in terms of where Ireland fits in this, yes, the geopolitical situation and international conflict have, have transformed in the first two decades of this century. And back in 2000, Ireland did one thing for one international agency. We did peacekeeping for the UN. That, that's it. Now, that changed in 98 when we did peace enforcement for the UN in East Timor. So we, we, we changed from just doing peacekeeping to peace enforcement. But we now do peacekeeping and peace enforcement for not just the United Nations, but we do it for the European Union. We, we, we were in charge of the first expeditionary force out of Europe down to Chad and Central African Republic. We're part of the battle group system. And we also do c command and participate in mission NATO missions. So we have had uh, Irish troops in Afghanistan as part of Operation Enduring Freedom. We've had uh, Irish troops in Kosovo under NATO command. And we, we, we've had an Irish Brigadier General uh, command a, a NATO multinational division in Kosovo, uh, Brigadier General Jerry Hegarty. So we have become more and more integrated into kind of European military structures and NATO structures through partnership for peace. And like Switzerland, who are also in a similar situation, and um, that is useful from the perspective of our geographical location and our um, geostrategic uh, alliances and partnerships. We're, we're very much a part, part of the West and the Western alliance, but we remain, as the Swiss would say, militarily neutral. And I suppose the advantage for us at the moment is that we get increased cooperation on cyber, maritime, and other issues. But we also get to choose on a case-by-case -case basis what conflicts we want to get involved in. What hasn't happened, Eamon, in the last 25 years, what, what we have fallen down on is uh, because of the peace process and the Good Friday Agreement, as part of the peace dividend, we have failed to invest sufficiently in our army, yes. naval service, and air corps. And as a consequence, we are Europe's weakest link in military terms. So yes. whilst we're, we have some similarities with, with Switzerland and Austria, where our differences lie is that they, they, they are very well equipped to defend their territory in all of those domains, cyber, maritime, airspace. We're not. And that's what makes us different. That's what makes us weak. And that's what undermines our claim to be neutral. So with the RAF patrolling our skies, um, that impacts ne negatively on our sovereignty and on our claim to be neutral. So I think we've more, <laughs> we've more in common in terms of our views um, than probably drives us apart. And, and that was one of the things about the, the, the forum on neutrality, that very often this argument, on the one hand, you have... Um, groups that say, you know, NATO is a warmongering, baby-killing organization, and it's very, very polarized. But to get to the truth, to have an exchange of light, is to understand where Ireland actually is. And we, and we have been participating at very, very senior levels in the newly emerging uh, European defense and security and intelligence agencies, and similarly through partnership for peace with NATO. And they, they are positive pro-social developments, they assist us um, in this new, very febrile, dynamic environment with hybrid and emerging threats. And if I could just finish on one thing, one of the things that struck me about the panels on the consultative forum, you know, they talked about the threat environment for Ireland. The, the, the greatest, fundamental, most pressing existential threat um, to the security of Ireland or challenge is 
what's going to happen next on this island in the next 15 to 20 years, not what's happening in Central or Eastern Europe or out in the Asia Pacific, but it's what happens when this island, whatever entity um, evolves, we're going to have to completely transform policing, the administration of justice, defense. Like, I think I've said this to you before, I don't believe in 20 years' time that Oglig Naharan or Angarda Siakana will exist. They will have been replaced by something like Police Service of Ireland or Land Forces Ireland, who knows. And th- those forces will have to be fit for purpose and will have to be acceptable to everybody on this island. And remember, approximately one quarter of the island, uh, as we speak, are actually in NATO and yes. are a very value- valued and, and highly pers- participative uh, NATO partners. So we, none of that was addressed in the in the fora. Right. And again, you know, if it, if it had, if there had been a, a call for papers, expressions of interest, I think there would have been a, a better treatment of of the reality of where we are. Right. I'm um, yeah, just um, a thought about say cyber war, hy- hybrid war. The HSE was hacked by Russia. It caused appalling damage. It's only two years ago. And they, obviously, they were criminals or ostensibly presented as criminals, but they wouldn't be doing it without the sanction and, and the, of the Russian state. They'd be doing it with the full knowledge of uh, the Russian state. In a by-election in Germany at the weekend, the AFD, the far-right group, surprised many people and shocked quite a few people by winning uh, a by-election, uh, they are far-right neo-Nazi party. The president's outburst about the forum you attended yesterday, this um, consultative forum uh, that the Tonishta has presided over and indeed that he convened, it, it, shouldn't we be having that discussion? And so shouldn't someone with your expertise and knowledge be in that party to that forum, and can we be neutral? Sorry, asking too many questions, but when Putin in a mafia state, which is a kleptocracy, is on the move and threatening, and we've always known this about Putin, that his view is that the greatest tragedy in his lifetime was the breakup of the old Soviet Union, he might want to put it back together again. Are we going to, would we remain neutral in all of that? We have to be absolutely mindful of the the environment that we operate in. And Russian, what they call grey zone operations, have been very active for at least a decade now. And General Valery Gerasimov, he has this thing called the Gerasimov Doctrine, where effectively Russia is at war with the West. And, yes. And, and with, and with the, the... Are we neutral in that, Tom? Well, we're a target, whether we like it or not. So um, could I just say, though, part of the discussion yesterday was very interesting. Um, the Swiss and uh, the Norwegians were, were talking about the value of our perceived neutrality, i.e. us not being a member of a military alliance. So they gave the example of after the recent uh, horrific earthquakes, and um, there were grave difficulties negotiating with the Russians to allow humanitarian aid to get into Syria, parts of Syria that are occupied by Russian mercenaries and pro-Assad forces. And it was actually the Irish that negotiated 
and the, the Russians were prepared to talk to the Irish in that environment, and that allowed for humanitarian aid to get in um, to Syria. Now, that was an observation made by the yes. Swiss and the Austrians. So they were saying that the, the constructive ambiguity around Ireland's neutrality had a value. And more, re- and, and also recently, um, the Swedes, the Swedish had an initiative um, to bring humanitarian aid into Yemen, where there is malnutrition amongst children and, and the civilian population. But they couldn't get a deal with the Saudis and the Iranians um, because the, the port uh, at Yemen needed to be demined. It was so heavily mined. Yes. And eventually, it was a retired Irish army officer, an ordnance officer, and an engineer. The Iranians and the Saudis, if you can think of more polar, polar opposed people, they agreed because he was Irish that he could lead the demining operation, which yeah. made it possible for that humanitarian aid to get in under the Swedish initiative. So there is still at the moment a value to our uh, perceived neutrality vis-a-vis not being members of, yeah. a, of a military alliance. But I mean, we are absolutely... Sweden, incidentally, as I'm sure you know, have applied to join NATO. Yes. And so, and so have Finland. Yeah, and again, their situation... Two avowedly neutral countries yeah. uh, until this uh, latest development in world affairs. And that's because the Russians are right on their border. Yeah. So they made a decision in their national interest. And, you know, obviously at some point in the future... We, we could make that decision. And there's no doubt but that, despite what some people say, if, if Ireland applied for a membership of NATO, we would be accepted. Not necessarily because of what we would bring to the table militarily, because we're grossly underinvested, but simply by virtue of the fact that it would give NATO access to our airports and ports. And like if you, if you look at Ireland on the map, I mean, we have access to the, the northern approaches, the North Atlantic it's it's an invaluable asset. Yes. Now, with Northern Ireland, um, NATO does have a foothold there, but they would like to expand that. Um, but again, that's a question that you know we're not we're not at that point yet. Right. And I think Ireland enjoys an incredible reputation around the world. We had a speaker yesterday, um, a retired guard, who is in charge of the the, the policing reform in Iraq. He's based in Baghdad. And he said that the Iraqi generals, the Iranians, all the stakeholders, as soon as they're introduced to him, they all say the same thing. Ah, you're Irish. And they all talk about the the park hospitals and our perceived neutrality as kind of like people who build capacity around the world that are in the business of reconciliation and and talking or having an open channel to talk when other otherwise such conversations aren't possible. I want to move you on to Russia, but I must say Tom, you make a far better case for Ireland remaining neutral than any other person I've heard speaking about it recently. We've had a couple on here. And indeed, I think I'm going to run your campaign for the presidency uh, when that <laughs> post, if you want to be in prison uh, no, up in Phoenix Park. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Now, no doubt, Tom, uh, as a military man, you mentioned Gerasimov there, and of course, there's Shoigu as well, and our old friend Prigozhin. What did you make of what happened in Russia at the weekend? The consensus has formed in the West, and this is informed, of course, by uh, CIA and other intelligence agencies, that this could be the beginning of the end for Putin because it has shown him to be weak. It was a startling challenge to... Uh, Vladimir Putin's authority and it was an extraordinary um, betrayal of the, the Russian military in the field. There's a, a Ukrainian counteroffensive underway and quite rightly so against Putin's criminal invasion and Russian troops are dying in their hundreds and thousands in trenches on the front line in around Zaporizhia and up around Bakhmut and while that's happening to their rear the Wagner Group begin a, a, a lightning assault up through Rostov-on-Don yes. and right up north, up the M4 motorway um, to within 200 kilometers of, of Moscow. Now, Prigozhin knows what Vladimir Putin is like. Any sign of disloyalty or any sign of, of a challenge to his authority is usually met in the most... Um, Uncompromising, uh, severe, severe way. Word. I mean, you, you Litvinenko with the with yes. the polonium in his tea. You know, you you can be guaranteed an awful death. Yes, whether it be defenestration from a high building, to execution of you and your family, or um, you know, death by uh, weapons of mass destruction. Whether it be you know chemical, or yes. as, as was the case with Novichok in in the UK. So Prigozhin knew exactly what he was doing. What we don't know is why he stopped where he stopped. And people asked me yesterday, how close was Russia to civil war? There were 200 kilometers close. Right. Now, here's the thing. Last night, last night in, in Putin's uh, speech, I listened to it very, very carefully. He says to the ordinary troops of the Wagner group, thank you for your service. And he gave them three 
options. He said, and I quote, you can go home to your nearest and dearest. You can go to Belarus where Prigozhin is, or you can sign a Russian a contract with the Russian military before the 1st of July. But he was very clear about Prigozhin and the officers of the Wagner Group. He said they have committed treason and that they will face justice. And he says that those who are at the top should be, they, they cannot not understand that they will face justice. So I think Prigozhin's life expectancy at the moment is limited, to say the least. And there is absolutely no way that Putin is going to allow him to have control of an armed Wagner group again in Belarus to at some point challenge his authority again. And Putin is in trouble. Yesterday, the Moscow newspaper, Moskovsky, Komsomolets, they had an editorial in which they said, oh, look, the highest authority in the land, i.e. Putin, forgot the fundamental incompatibility with the letters P and M, or private and military. Yes. So what Putin has to do now is restore the balance of fear in Moscow. Yes. That has been challenged. I mean, Prigozhin was extraordinarily provocative in what he did, and, and I don't think he's going to survive it. But for the Russian troops in the field, though, you know, six, six helicopters shot down, 13 Russian pilots um, killed, you know, behind the lines, disrupting the supply lines to the troops who are fighting and dying yes. in the front line. You know, they'll be looking at Putin now and saying, well, if he doesn't even punish those who kill our pilots and our, our brothers in arms in the Rodina, in Russia itself, then what are we doing here? Like This thing on so many levels has been very damaging for Putin. And I also noticed in Putin's speech last night that he kept referring to this as a kind of a Western initiative. So accusing um, Prigozhin um, of, you know, being influenced by, by Western actors or that this would play into to, to the advantage of the West, which, and these are all very, very damning and very pointed um, remarks. Yeah, I mean, there clearly must be a significant advantage in terms of morale to Ukraine and to the Ukraine troops in the field of battle and a commensurate damage to the morale of Russian troops which who are fighting in this conflict and we're not in great shape, we understand, morale-wise anyway. No, and over the weekend, the Ukrainians took the, the town of Riv, Rivnopil and they have expanded the um, territory that they've gained in the last 10 days to about 100 square kilometers. And and there are reports now that um, Ukrainian troops have, have gotten across the Dnipro River so that they're now east of the Dnipro into the Dnipro Delta. And that was one of the reasons why the, the, the huge dam was mined to prevent um, yes. Ukrainians getting south. So this couldn't have come at a worse time. And that was a stab in the back for Putin and a stab in the back for, for the Russian military. So, so watch that space. Um, in terms of, of how, um, as I say, Putin will, will try to restore the balance of fear. And it, it seems to be very obvious in Russia that, that order and command and political control is done at gunpoint. It's done by force. And that's why um, a private army of mercenaries were able to challenge Putin. And there are others. There's the Kadarovs. Um, the, 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 these are the Chechen supporters, although they didn't turn up in Moscow on time for, 
for the uh, arrival of <laughs> Prigozhin. And you have uh, Khodorkovsky, you have Gazprom have set up their own private armies. The writing is on the wall. And there would be huge consequences for all, the, the whole world if, if Russia begins to um, unravel or if they get involved in some sort of a civil war. And there's no guarantee that Putin would be replaced by anybody yeah. uh, reasonable. You could, you could have summoned even, even a greater hardliner. Tom, we all thought, and, and Putin is quoted as saying yesterday, that a civil war was prevented by those who stood up, the Russian security service who stood up to uh, Wagner. There's no evidence that anybody stood up to him. But this is my final question, Tom. And we all assume bringing Putin down would be good for the world and for everything. There are dangers in it as well. Yeah, so I know uh, it's it's reported in uh, the international media that the, the White House made contact with, with the Kremlin on Saturday to ask them about um, had, had measures been taken to protect the tactical nuclear weapons that were deployed to Belarus. And, and in general whilst acknowledging that what was happening was an internal matter for, for the Kremlin. They wanted reassurances about the uh, security of, of the nuclear arsenal. And the question is, any one of those militias or mercenary groups, uh, if they were to get control um, of yes. the, the weapons, then, or, or even purport to, to have that aspiration, then I think you'll see the... The, the Russian military, people like Shoigu and, and Gerasimov, if they're still around, you know, there'll be a power struggle between them and whatever pretenders to the throne come forward. But Prigozhin let the cat out of the bag. He provoked, I mean, this was unthinkable in 23 years yes. of power for Putin. Nobody has challenged him in this way and gone literally to the gates of Moscow armed and ready for a confrontation. Especially someone who used to be his chef. Indeed. Okay, Tom. We're very, very grateful to you. As always, Tom Clonan is an Irish senator for uh, Trinity College, Dublin University. Uh, it's the same as Trinity, isn't it, Tom? Oh, yes. Just another yes. word. Yeah. yeah, just another word. But uh, one of those valued members in society uh, yeah. in general for his brilliant work uh, as a whistleblower. And we're seeing the fruit of that now. He was also uh, serving. Irish Army Captain in the Lebanon under the UN and we're grateful to Tom he's guided us through the Ukraine war thank you very much to Tom Clonan thanks to all of you for listening that's all we have time for now we'll talk to you soon Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. 
Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.